Part two, chapter one of Our Own Set by Ossip Shubin, translated by Clara Bell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part two, Lent. Chapter one. I am glad to have found you, cried Treun next morning as he entered Sempali's room in the Palazzo di Venezia and discovered him sipping his coffee after his late breakfast with a book in his hand i am delighted that you should for once have taken the trouble to climb up to me i must show you my francia the dealer who sold it to me declares it is a francia but you look worried what has brought you here i only wanted to know to ask you whether you will drive out to frascati with us to-day to frascati this afternoon what an idea exclaimed Sempali and in any case i cannot join you for i am going to the palatine at three o'clock with the sterzels yes said Trun, looking uncommonly grave may i offer you a cup of coffee asked sempali coolly no thank you replied Trun shortly he was evidently uneasy and began examining the odds and ends at the table to give himself countenance by accident he took up the book that Sempali had been reading when he came in. It was Charles Lamb's Essays, and on the first page was written in a large, firm hand, In friendly remembrance of a terrible quarrel, Zinka Sterzel. The child lost a bet with me not long since, Sempali explained. Another bet is still unsettled and is to be decided to-day at the Palatine trun shut the book sharply and threw it down then setting his elbows on the table at which they were sitting and fixing his eyes keenly on sempali's face he said do you intend to marry zinka Sterzel? sempali started what do you mean he exclaimed what are you dreaming of but as trun said no more simply gazing fixedly at him he took up an attitude of defiance he looked Trun straight in the face with an angry glare and retorted and suppose i do then i can only hope you will have enough resolution to carry out your intentions said Trun, for to stop half-way in such a case is a crime he drew a deep breath and looked at the ground but sempali's face instead of clearing grew darker he was prepared for vehement opposition and his cousin's calm consent not to say encouragement put him in the position of a man who after straining every muscle to lift a heavy weight suddenly discovers that it is a piece of painted pasteboard it completely threw him off his balance well i must say he began in a tone of extreme annoyance you speak of it as if it were a no more serious question than the dancing of a cotillon in plain terms the thing is impossible what are we to live on i have long since run through all my fortune if i took what my brother would regard as so monstrous a step he would cut off all supplies and zinka is not of age i might to be sure take to selling dripping to maintain my wife which would have the additional advantage that my mother-in-law would cut me in consequence or perhaps you would advise me to let dame clotilde sterzel keep us till zinka comes into her money well says Trin calmly 
if you can take such a reasonable view of the impossibility of your marriage with zinka sterzl your behaviour to her is perfectly inexplicable Trin was still sitting by the little table on which the pretty coffee service was set out while sempali his hands in his pockets was walking up and down the room kicking and shoving the furniture with all the irritation of a man who knows himself to be in the wrong upon my soul i cannot make out what you would be at he suddenly exclaimed standing still and facing his cousin sterzl has never found any fault with my behaviour and it is much more his affair than yours Trin changed colour a little but did not lose his presence of mind sterzl with all his dryness of manner is an idealist he said who would fetch the stars from heaven for his sister if he could he has never for an instant doubted that your intentions with regard to her were quite serious that is impossible cried sempali but it is so Trin asserted he is too blind to think his sister beneath any one's notice and he's right exclaimed sempali perfectly right but the pressure of circumstances of position the duties i have inherited he had seated himself on the deep inner ledge of one of the windows with his elbows on his knees and his chin between his hands and was staring thoughtfully at the floor allow me to ask you he said what induced you to mix yourself up in the affair it has weighed on my shoulder for a long time said Trin, but what especially moved me to speak of it to-day is the circumstance that last evening before you came into the falcon mesdames de gondry and ferguson allowed themselves to speak in a way which convinced me that your constant intimacy with zinka is beginning to do her no good oh of course if you listen to the gossip of every washerwoman sempali interrupted angrily and he muttered a long speech in which the words sacred responsibility due regard for the duties imposed by providence were freely thrown in Trent's handsome face flushed with contempt and at length he broke into his cousin's harangue to which for a few minutes he had listened in silence no swagger nor bluster the matter is quite simple do you love zinka the attache frowned yes he said fiercely then it is only that you have not the courage to face the annoyances that a marriage with her would involve you in sempali was dumb then my dear fellow there is no choice you must break off the intimacy as gently but as immediately as possible that i neither can nor will attempt cried sempali stamping his foot if within three days you have not taken the necessary steps to secure your removal from rome i shall feel myself compelled to give sterzl a hint or your brother whichever you prefer Trin spoke quite firmly and now good-bye good-bye said sempali without moving and Trin went to the door there he paused and said hesitatingly do not take it amiss nicky i could do no less remember that though the right is a bitter morsel it has a good aftertaste poor child poor sweet little girl Trin murmured to himself as he descended the grey stone stairs of the palazzo di venezia 
is this a time to be talking of inherited responsibilities and of the duties of position now good heavens he lighted a cigar and then flung it angrily away good heavens to have met a girl like zinka to have won her love and to be free he hurried out into the street leaving the gate porter astonished that the count who was usually so courteous should have taken no notice of his respectful bow such a thing had never happened before he was a strange man this grey-haired young count train he had grown up as one of a very happy family and when still quite young he had been hurried much against his will into a marriage with the handsome gabrielle zinsenburg he had never been able to reconcile himself to the empty worldliness of his life in her society she was a heartless superficial woman some few years older than himself who had staked everything on her hope of achieving a marriage with him within a few years they had separated quite amiably by mutual consent he had given her his name and she gave him his child his life was spoiled he had a noble and a loving heart but he might not bestow it on any woman he must carry it about in his breast where it grew heavy to bear his love for his little girl devoted as he was to her was not enough to live by and a bitter sense of craving lurked in his spirit for many years he had lived a great deal abroad his mind had expanded and he had shed several of his purely austrian prejudices at home he was still regarded as a staunch conservative because he always passively voted on that side but he was only indifferent absolutely indifferent to all political strife and smiled alike at the recklessness of the left and the excitability of the right while in his inmost soul he regarded the perfecting of government as mere labour lost for he was no optimist and thought that to heal the woes of humanity nothing would avail but its thorough regeneration and that men have no mind for such regeneration all they ask is to be allowed to cry out when they are heard and to shift their sins on to each other's shoulders it afforded him no satisfaction to cry out his weary soul found no rest but in unbounded benevolence and sempali's nature experimental groping his way through life had seemed to him to-day more odious than ever how can a man be at once so tender and such a coward he asked himself he is the most completely selfish being i ever met with a thorough epicurean in sentiment and has only just heart enough for his own pleasure and enjoyment the bet outstanding between zinka and sempali was not decided that afternoon sempali did not go to the palatine but excused himself at the last moment in a little note to zinka Trin's words though he would not have admitted it to himself had made a very deep impression and though he fought against it he could no longer avoid looking the situation in the face to get himself transferred to some other capital to give up all his pleasant idle habits here the idea was intolerable he felt exactly like a man who has been suddenly roused from a slumber bright with pleasant dreams he did not want to wake or to rub his eyes clear of the vision was everything at an end 
Truyn had, to be sure, suggested an alternative. If he could but call up sufficient energy, it rested only with himself to turn the sweet dream into a still sweeter and lovelier reality, and his whole being thrilled with ecstasy as this delightful possibility flattered his fancy. He was long past the age at which a man commits some matrimonial folly, believing that he can reclaim the morals of some disrespectable second-rate actress, or that his highest happiness is to devote his life to his sister's governess, who is a dozen years older than himself, when he contemplated the possibility of his marrying Zinka Sterzl after all, it was with the certainty that his feeling for her was not a mere transient madness, but that it had its roots in the depths of his nature. Every form and kind of enjoyment had been at his command, and he had hated them all. Things in which other men of his age and position could find excitement and interest roused his fastidious nature to disgust. Life had long since become to him a vain and empty show, when he had met Zinka, then all the sweetest spirits of spring had descended fluttering into his vacant heart, a magical touch had made it a garden of flowers, and filled it with fair, mad dreams of love. All the sweet sorrow of life was revealed to him in a new form, and now was he to tread the blossoms into dust? give up seeing her get myself sent away never i cannot and i will not do it he muttered to himself indignantly as he thought it all over what business is it of trains what right has he to issue his orders to me but when he had resolved simply to go on with zinka as he had begun to sun himself as heretofore in her smile her gentleness and her beauty he was still uncomfortable he felt that it would not be the same till now his heart had simply been content now it could speak and ask for more to try to satisfy it with this shadow of delight was like attempting to slake a raging thirst with the dew of a rosebud he loved her now suddenly and madly interesting women had hitherto utterly failed to interest him they were like brooklets filled by the rain the muddiness of the water prevented their shallowness being immediately perceptible the storms of life had spoiled their clearness and purity zinka on the contrary was like a mountain lake whose waters are so transparent that near the shore every pebble is visible and though in the middle the bottom is no longer seen it is because they are deep and not because they are turbid till their crystalline opacity reflects the sky overhead and in the depths of that lake he thought lay a treasure which one alone guided and blessed by god might hope to find how he longed to sound it she was made for him never for an instant had he been dull in her society she satisfied both his head and his heart all the bewitching inconsistency and contradictions of her nature captivated him he had said of her that she was like a little handbook of the study of women she was made up of such a variety of characteristics in the midst of her childlike moods she had such unexpected depth of thought such flashes of wisdom her wildest vagaries were so original and often ended so suddenly in wistful reverie 
her little selfish caprices were the converse of such devoted self-sacrifice her grace was so spontaneous her voice so soft and appealing well but should he no it must not be Trone had said it he must quit rome the sooner the better he took his hat and went out to call on the ambassador and discuss the matter with him his excellency was not at home and sempali betook himself to the club where he lost several games at ecarte he was greatly annoyed then he went home and sat looking constantly at the clock as though he were expecting some one his irritation increased every minute End of part two chapter one